Hello and welcome to the Empowered Hormone Podcast, where we pull apart all those taboo topics, periods, parasites, poos, hormones and more. Let's question everything you've been taught about your body. I'm your host, Sheridan Decker, a gin-loving gut health nerd passionate about debunking myths on birth control, period pain and IBS. If you struggle with bloating or your period is less than pretty, then join me as we chat about everything relating to gut and hormone health. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Empowered Hormone Podcast. This episode is sponsored by my 7-Day Beat the Bloat Challenge. So ladies, if you want the tips, tricks and recipes to get you from bloated to beautiful, jump to the show notes and register now. Today I have the privilege of speaking to Jackie, a qualified naturopath, reproductive medicine expert and self-confessed chocolate addict, who isn't these days, specialising in hormone health for the modern woman. So her unique balanced approach to health and hormones blends research-backed natural medicine, which I'm all about these days, with our traditional medical diagnostics. So with over a decade's experience in the industry, Jackie's worked with some of Australia's leading fertility experts and Perth's longest-standing natural medicine clinic. She's lectured about herbal and nutritional medicine uh, within a prestigious Perth college, founded her own self-titled business and released her popular online resource, The Honest Hormone Handbook, which I believe every woman sounds like they need a copy of. Today, we're going to talk about natural fertility and how our thyroid health can impact our fertility. So just to give you ladies a head up, some of the take uh, take home points that we're going to talk about today is the role of thyroid infertility, why t- testing TSH alone isn't enough, which I'm super passionate about because I have so many women come up to me with this. So I can't wait to pick Jackie's brain on that. Um, why the thyroid testings you need to be asking for if you want to conceive. So what ones you should be asking about. Uh, the role of antibodies and how they might be quietly working against you when it comes to conceiving for nutrients to support a healthy thyroid and how to treat thyroid antibodies naturally. Wow. Well, (laughs) that was quite the intro. So pretty much, hello. Thank you for being here. And yes. (laughs) Hi, Sheridan. Thanks so much for having me on um, this morning. Um, So lovely to meet you and chat to you. Yes, a fellow WA girl. I've talked to so many women from all around Australia lately that it's nice to have someone from WA that I can feel like, yes, I know where you are. You know where I am. We're on the same page here. Yeah, and we can say Albany properly. Yes, yeah. Everyone says Elbury, Elbury, a place in New South Wales. Yeah. That's the one. And they're like, oh, you're over in New South. And I'm like, no, I'm like on the most southern tip of your country. Have a look at the map. (laughs) Uh, so tell me a little bit about how you got into women's health I'm sure there's some kind of interesting backstory that's pushed you to be where you are today Um, yeah well I it's interesting I was kind of one of those people I guess fortunately knew what they wanted to do at quite a young age Um, I when I was about 18 I just needed a job between uni you know when you have that gap year and you just kind of I need a job (laughs) 
Um, and I just landed a receptionist role at a naturopath clinic uh, with no intentions of doing naturopathy. I wanted to actually go and study agriculture. Wow. Um, and then after, after working there, I, yeah, I was really inspired by the work that they did and how herbal medicine can help, you know, treat women's you know, fix painful periods and heavy periods and all these things I'd seen friends struggle with. And it was really intriguing. Um, and then I read the book Natural Fertility by Francesca Nash and like everything changed. Um, it was just one of those books you cannot put down. Uh, and after reading it, I was like, why why wasn't I told this earlier? Like, there's so much in that book of understanding your cycle, understanding when you're fertile, um, knowing, you know, what's normal when it comes to your period. And I was like, far out, women need to know this. And they're pretty much from then on. Um, I yeah, took it on board and then started studying naturopathy. And from the get go, when I started studying, I knew exactly that I just wanted to specialize in women's hormones and fertility. And just really share this knowledge with um, the rest of all the, the rest of the women in the world, um, essentially. But it just shows how much sex ed really does fail us. Because I'd gone through high school, you feel that you learn everything about your body during sex ed and human biology. And then really, we just, we don't, we know how to put a condom on a banana. And <laughs> we know that if we have sex, we're going to get pregnant. And <laughs> If you've ever talked to anyone who's struggled with fertility, then that couldn't be any further from the truth. It isn't that easy just to get pregnant. So, yeah, that's where it all started for me. And uh, I'm very fortunate to still have that passion and still really love what I do now, kind of 10, 13, 14 years on from where it all began. Yeah, it's interesting when you talk about that passion and you talk about women and you're talking about um, the unknown and wanting to, you know, my two favourite words, educate and empower them, you know, and it comes across so... Yeah, you're just going for that medical approach or it's I had the same when I was missing my periods and I was like, oh, well, you know, go on the pill and come back to me when you want to fall pregnant, like sex, periods, fertility, like it is so much more than just having a baby, you know, your natural cycle from month to month. I tell women that all the time. It's like, come on, there's, you know, you don't just need a period to have a baby. And then, like you said, there's so many other interlinking causes around fertility as well and it's not my area of specialty but I do see it in so many women who go oh you know like I thought it was going to be easy I thought I would just fall pregnant and I'm like oh like I I haven't tried to fall pregnant but I see enough women going I think I think it's a lot more complex than what we're putting out there yeah and it's and I think it's because we're led to believe um that if we had we have sex we're going to get pregnant and that's what we've been told our whole life. So we've been so like, oh, I can't get pregnant. I need to be on contraception or the pill. Or, um, and then absolutely, when we do start to try, we're like, oh, actually, this isn't happening as easy as I was led to believe. But I think you're, you're absolutely right that um, our hormone health is more than just getting um, pregnant, isn't it? It's an extension of our health. And to really be in the, our healthiest self, our hormones need to be in check and we need to be having regular menstrual cycles and a lot more information is coming out and a lot more kind of health professionals are sharing that knowledge that no, it's really important that you do have a monthly bleed and you ovulate and it's important that you don't 
suppress your natural hormones because that's what gives us um, strong bones later in life. It helps with our cardiovascular health later in life. So it's important that we do have these regular periods. So something that you see a lot of or you work a lot with is this fertility size of things. And I'm in awe of how much knowledge and how experience and how long you've been doing it for, you know, when I'm relatively fresh on that side of things. I'm just like, wow, this this woman's amazing. But you do look a lot um, into the link between thyroid health and fertility, which if I'm completely honest, is not something I've thought about before um because it's not something i work with as such but yeah when you when we were talking about podcast topics and you came up with that i thought wow that's going to be super interesting because i know a lot of women who struggle with thyroid stuff and they may not be trying to get pregnant now but they haven't thought about how it's going to impact them so can you break that down a little bit and talk about the role of the thyroid infertility yeah absolutely um and i think when we think fertility we just think estrogen, progesterone, sex hormones, um, that kind of thing. And we don't address all the other factors that needs to go on. So the thyroid, as you know, is like the engine of the whole body. It sets the metabolic rate and is important in every single vital function within the body. So when you have thyroid symptoms, whether it's too much thyroid hormone or not enough, your symptoms are so diverse. Um, You can have everything from kind of fatigue, constipation, dry hair, um, anxiety to uh, obviously issues with fertility. And what we do know is that the ovaries and the egg contain receptors for thyroid hormone. So they are under the influence of the thyroid hormone. And we know that whether your thyroid is high or whether your thyroid function is low, it does impact on your menstrual cycle. It increases your risk of miscarriage and it increases um, preterm birth as well. So particularly um, hypothyroid, so an underactive thyroid is obviously uh, more more common and quite common with conception issues. Um, And what we see with those women is it impacts their ability to ovulate. So if you have hypothyroid, you tend to have more anovulatory cycles, so cycles where you don't actually ovulate. Um, And depending on the degree, it can just stop you getting your period completely. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because the ovary has those receptors for the thyroid hormone and they need a certain amount of thyroid hormone to be able to produce estrogen, to grow an egg and to be able to ovulate. The other factor that we see a lot in women with low thyroid function is what we call luteal phase defect. So um, as you know, the luteal phase is that time from ovulation to getting your period. And it needs to be, you know, at least 11, 12 days in length in order for your cycle to be considered fertile. Um, once the egg and the sperm meet, it takes about eight to 10 days for that fertilized egg to travel down the fallopian tube and then implant into the uterus. So if you're getting your period eight days after you've ovulated, then you may be getting pregnant but it, there's not enough time for that egg to implant into the uterus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so th- this is what we call luteal phase defect, and that's quite common in women with a hypothyroid um, because they can't produce enough progesterone to lengthen out that luteal phase to about 12 days. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's super interesting now that you talk about that, that I can see some of the links because I sometimes talk to women who have like hypothyroidism and might have missed a few periods or definitely have lower progesterone and whatnot. And I know they're not thinking about fertility and falling pregnant, but like you said, there's such a massive connection there that that's, yeah, that's fascinating, interesting. Is there much on the other spectrum, like overactive thyroid? Yeah, so the overactive thyroid definitely accounts for a lot smaller percentage of women coming through. And usually when the thyroid is overactive, um, there's antibodies going on. Yeah. So when we'll, we chat about antibodies in a little bit and we'll cover that in more depth, but when it's an overactive thyroid, we do still see a high incidence of miscarriage, preterm birth and implantation failure. Yeah. However, for those women, we don't see that anovulatory effect um to the same degree yeah okay so mm. i mean if someone knows they're hyper hypo they've already gone and uh, yeah. gone and gotten some testing done yeah. but let's just pull that apart for those who might suspect that there's something going on um what kind of testing should you be asking for and why is tsh which lots of our doctors just run and often when we'll be like it's fun and i'm like yeah it's not fun you need to do more <laughs> so can you pull that apart for me why alone you know tsh isn't enough and why you know what other testing should we be getting done getting done yeah yeah totally so with the the tsh um is an interesting one i always you know put it like measuring tsh alone is like judging a book by its cover you really have no idea what's going on with the thyroid itself um and you've probably seen it a lot with your clients as well how many of our clients come to us with all the symptoms of hypothyroid so they got fatigue weight gain hair falling out foggy brain memory, hormonal issues. Um, And they go to their doctor, they get their thyroid tested and the doctor says, oh, everything's fine, nothing's wrong. And they're made to believe it's all in their head. Um, And that's because often they just run that TSH. And TSH's reference range, so what is considered normal, is a very big reference range. So it's between 0.9 and 4. But the interesting thing is, is there's a a whole category known as subclinical hypothyroid. So these are women who their TSH levels are normal, but they're up the upper end. So they're sitting between 2.5 and 4, and they're classed as subclinical hypothyroid. So for them, studies show that women who have a TSH level of greater than 2.5 have an is associated with a lower pregnancy um, rates and higher risk of miscarriage. So even though their TSH is sitting with what would be considered normal and any doctor will say that's fine, research shows that no, their chance of getting pregnant is reduced and their chance of miscarriage is so much higher. So that's why we really need to be kind of looking at TSH in more depth and not just expecting, oh, because it's in the normal range we're fine the normal range really needs to change yeah wow wow that's that is super Mm -hmm. fascinating um i know there's going to be a lot of women listening to this going ah i gotta replay that replay that what did she say again do you have just um totally off 
not off topic, but do you have some blog posts or things on your Instagram or whatnot that would provide some more information on these topics? I will obviously link in all your stuff. But yeah, I know there's going to be a lot of women whose brains are starting to tick over going, I need to talk to this lady about my thyroid. Can um, Yeah, on my Instagram, I do. And um, I think after this podcast too, I'll add a few extra ones in. Awesome. Um, just I've talked about like Hashimoto's and TSH. So yeah. we'll... Um, but I'll add some more in definitely. Um, and that all the information can be there just to touch base. Yeah, but I'm sure there's a lot of women who will be ringing their doctor's surgeries going, hey, what was what Yeah, was exactly. TSH? Give me those results back so I can re-look through. Um, yeah. yeah, so anyway, to break your train of thought, what tests should we be asking? Yeah, so TSH is the hormone that is how the brain communicates to the thyroid. So the brain will produce TSH to tell the thyroid to produce T4 and T3. So essentially it's just measuring how well the brain is communicating with the thyroid. Um, We then look at, um, so TSH is definitely very important to run, don't get me wrong, but we can't run it by itself. We also need T4. So T4 is one of your active hormones and it's produced by the thyroid gland. So if you're not producing enough T4, then we need to start looking at potential nutritional deficiencies like iodine, tyrosine, iron, selenium, and zinc. But that's also under the influence of TSH as well. So if there's issues with TSH, there's more likely to be issues with T4. The next hormone is T3. So T3 is um, a great deal more active within the body than T4. um, And it's often considered as the active hormone, whereas, you know, T4 is not as biologically available. Um, So T4 is made and is converted from, sorry, T3 is converted from T4. And often if you have low T3, three levels and your T4 and TSH are fine, you can still have all the symptoms of issues with your thyroid gland because T3 is so active and we need, we need it within the body to make it work. Um, If if your T3 is low, then it's usually a sign that you're not able to convert your T4 to T3 efficiently. And again, that's a lot of the time it's selenium, zinc and iron that we need in order for that conversion to happen. Okay. Yeah. So some of those, those key nutrients, like you yeah. said, selenium, zinc, iron. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes um, it can just be as simple as nutritional deficiencies, why the thyroid's not working. Um, and that's why it's important just to know kind of where you're at. The next one. Not, sorry, yeah. if it's not nutritional, um, just for those listening, some uh, one or two other reasons why your thyroid could not be working properly. Oh, there's lots. <laughs> yeah. um, there's stress is a big in- indicator as well. So stress, adrenal function. So it's very important anytime you go to start to treat the thyroid, particularly if you're going to treat quite um, with hormones, it's important that you address adrenal function because if adrenal function is low, so that's usually caused from stress, um, then you're, you're really going to struggle to get any improvements. Um, antibodies, which we're going to talk about this morning too, is often a really big player. Um, and also chemicals. There's definitely environmental chemicals and toxins within our bodies uh, or within our environments that our bodies are exposed to that in, impact the thyroid's ability to take up iodine. 
So, um, and if that's happening or you're exposed to those toxins, they um, are having a damaging effect on the thyroid gland. Yeah, for sure. All right, I'll let you finish those spills. Oh, no, that's okay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so we've talked about TSH, T4 and T3. Uh, The next one is reverse T3. So sometimes during times of stress, uh, famine, um, extreme exercise or um, fasting, the body will not produce T3. It'll produce what's known as reverse T3. And reverse T3 kind of just docks onto those thyroid receptors, blocks them up um, and shuts down metabolism essentially. It's a bit of, um, it's an old protective mechanism like when we were cavemen and we used to go from famine to fasts um i think the body would produce more reverse t3 in times of famine to slow down metabolism so we could survive the um the fasting (laughs) so it's a protective but definitely if there's a lot of stress going on um then whether that's emotional stress exercise stress or um food stress then yeah, reverse T3 can uh, raise its head. And then the last one is our antibodies. So there's three different antibodies that get tested. So thyroperoxidase antibody, thyroglobulin antibody, and TSH receptor antibodies. Now, you really, um, these are really, really important that you test for the these antibodies. But a lot of the time we see that um, we'll just, Um, health professionals will just run TSH and T4 and they'll only run antibodies if there is an issue with TSH. But interestingly enough, 79% of women who tested positive for antibodies, their TSH levels were fine and they remained fine for at least um, several years. Yeah, wow. So that's, um, yeah, so antibodies are when the immune system, for whatever reason, starts attacking the thyroid, thinking that it's an invader. And some people are more susceptible to antibodies and autoimmune conditions. Women are more susceptible to autoimmune conditions than men. Um, So that's definitely a real kind of silent issue is thyroid um, antibodies and we really need to be testing them so we know the whole picture yeah because there's there's levels of antibodies isn't there like you need to be over a certain level before you're you know like if you like anything really um it'll get flagged um i think i was looking at i don't know whether it's interclinical labs or one of the other ones the other day at um some of their thing on testing or whatnot. So should your antibodies be zero or can you have so many of them and it's still okay? Yeah, so um, they, I think the, they have a few like different. So one of them is like you need less than six. One of them is less than like 60 yes. you need to have. So definitely if you're below that, then um, essentially you're fine but I always like to see it like if it's starting to creep up towards 60 then I flag it and I think okay we need to keep our finger on the pulse here because we don't a know how long that's been an issue for and how quickly they're rising yeah yeah Um, so I do like definitely if they're down the lower end I'll go look at them and go okay Nat that's not our problem but if they're creeping up then you know, usually I really like to kind of address that yeah. um, straight away. And sometimes just some diet changes can be enough and vitamin D and some glute, uh, gluten-free diet and vitamin D can be enough just to keep those antibodies stable and within the normal range. 
Yeah, for sure. Okay, that's super interesting. So how does that then impact conception? Yeah, so the, it's interesting because you can have positive thyroid antibodies, TSH be normal. And so then we're thinking, okay, so how does that affect fertility? Because TSH is fine. Um, so what's the issue here? But the antibodies, they have an impact on the endometrium itself. So that's the lining of the uterus where the egg's going to implant in. And there's a big kind of um, popular word in the fertility industry at the moment. It's called endometrial receptivity. Okay. <laughs> so how receptive the endometrium is to having that embryo implant. And thyroid antibodies um, impact on the endometrial receptivity. So it makes it very hostile for the embryo and is almost blocking the embryo from implanting into the endometrium. Um, and the studies are really looking at how they do it. And the thyroid antibodies actually change the whole morphology and the structure of the endometrium, um, which yeah, prevents implantation from occurring. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's fascinating. I didn't know any of, yeah, I didn't know any of that at all. I didn't know there was such a link. And like you said, like, that's a real, I don't know whether this is something we're talking about more and more now, or, you know, because I don't, I feel like we're having more and more thyroid issues coming up. Um, and I, yeah, I was looking at something the other day and I was thinking, Chip is like, I don't reckon when I was growing up as a kid, I don't reckon every second female said, oh, my thyroid's out, I can't lose weight or I'm so tired or I'm losing all my hair or I've got all this stuff going on. But now I see so many young women and in my friends' circles and stuff where I was like, oh, yeah, Sheridan went to my doctor and there's something wrong with my thyroid. I'm like, what are we, what are we doing? And then I guess it's just our changes, our stress, our society, our toxins, I don't know, all those compounding factors. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right there. Um, and it's amazing how many um, of my fertility clients at the moment, I would be thinking a third of them would be, um, I'm treating them for thyroid antibodies. Wow. Wow. And it, it's, um, yeah, it's a, a big a big thing. And it definitely in the fertility world, we there's a lot of research um, being put into the immune side of fertility because we've always just thought of fertility as, um, estrogen, progesterone, the, just the female reproductive system and nothing else was involved. And there's a huge um, movement now in um, what's called reproductive immunology. And we're looking at how the immune system is um, having an impact on fertility. And when there's an immune system involvement, like with thyroid antibodies or other autoimmune diseases or inflammatory processes, we're seeing that it's all affecting implantation and these women um, struggle to um, they, so they struggle to get implantation to occur. They've got a higher chance of miscarriage and definitely miscarriage before 10 weeks and a high um, IVF failure rate purely because even though they're getting embryos fertilising um, and healthy embryo, embryos, uh, they just won't implant into the uterus. And that's where a lot of the research in fertility is looking at the moment. Yeah, wow. So I guess the last kind of area we're going to touch on and the biggest sort of burning question in all these females' minds is going to be, yeah. 
how do we treat these thyroid antibodies naturally? If they're like, Jackie, I've been to my GP or I'm seeing a naturopath or I'm seeing somebody and I can see that my thyroid antibodies are high. What are some things they can be doing or should be doing to restore that balance? Yeah, good question. And it's definitely one that if you've got antibodies, you really desperately want to know because there's very little the medical industry can do with antibodies. And I was just talking to a client last night um, She's got um, antibodies. She's had antibodies. Um, you know, we've been working together now for three months and monitoring them and her TSH levels. Now her TSH levels um, keep fluctuating, and so the GP is kind of focusing on that. But the GP is dismissing the antibodies. Oh, it's not an issue. It's not an issue. And her antibodies are going up, 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 up. So I'm just like, no, it, it is a big issue. But they don't really have the medication or the treatment strategies to be able to treat thyroid antibodies. So a lot of the time they do just dismiss it um, and just trying to focus on the TSH. So that's where it is important. You know, naturally we have lots that we can do to help support and lower thyroid antibodies. And when we're looking at the antibodies, it's an immune system um, production. So we really need to focus a lot on the immune system and balancing the immune system. Uh, and also treating the inflammation because it's very inflammatory. Having all those um, antibodies, you can just imagine your body is like your little immune army is attacking your thyroid. So it's like a war ground there. There's loads of inflammation. It's not a not a great place. Um, no. So <laughs> when we're treating the antibodies, now we the important thing to remember is that we don't necessarily have to get them below. Um, back to zero or below what's considered a normal range. What we need to do is stabilize those antibodies and absolutely if we can reduce them. Um, but a lot of the time I see with my clients, if we can stabilize the antibodies um, and reduce having a flare up, then that's usually enough for them to be able to consider. Yeah. Yep. So that's through nutrition, diet, immune support. Is that what you would typically do? Yeah, so my two favorites are selenium and myo-inositol. Oh, yeah. um, there's a lot of research around those two and reducing thyroid antibodies. Yeah. So 200 micrograms of selenium per day has been shown to lower antibody levels, reduce thyroid inflammation, and therefore also reduce the incidence of what we know as postpartum thyroiditis. Yeah. Um, which where you can get a flare once you've given birth to bub. Yeah. Um, so that's wonderful. And Brazil nuts, as you know, is a wonderful source of selenium. And they do say two Brazil nuts a day gives you like 200 micrograms wow. of selenium. Um, I still like to dose because it does depend on how selenium rich the soil was that those Brazil nuts were growing in. Um, but if you're looking to boost selenium in the diet, your go-to is Brazil nuts. Yeah. Perfect. Um, Myo-inositol is just, um, you buy it often as a powder or a capsule, but it's in combination with selenium at 600 milligrams per day. Um, helps selenium's effect on lowering antibodies. The other one is vitamin D. 
Ah, yes. That old chestnut. Yes. Yes. We all love vitamin D, don't we? Um, Because vitamin D just has a real balancing effect on the immune system. Um, And we know that vitamin D deficiency correlates with antibody levels. So if your vitamin D is low, you're going to be more likely to have higher antibody levels. So um, as we bring it up, um, antibody levels does does reduce. So, but the most important thing, just don't go out and take a vitamin D supplement. Um, make sure you get tested first. And um, ideally you want your vitamin D to be between 100 and 120 nanomoles per liter. Um, and if you're below that, that's when you should be supplementing. Wow. Awesome. Well, that's perfect because that's really actionable, like things that people can look down and sit and go, okay, I'm taking this or I'm taking that or what's, you know, what's my dosage, get some testing done. And like you said, with when it comes to your thyroid, you often won't be able to get this full thyroid panel through your GP. So you may need to go and see someone like Jackie or like a naturopath who is going to run the full thyroid panel or can get, you know, get you access to um, to this testing because, yeah, it can be really hard or go see an integrative GP or a functional GP or someone who's really going to push those avenues rather than just go, no, you're fine. So like we always say, don't, don't accept it up front. Don't accept your symptoms as an answer. Like always question it because there's always so much um, more going on, especially when it comes to women's health and it comes to all these, you know, different symptoms symptoms and things and it can be so confusing so thank you so much for sharing that um yeah the little bit on that topic with us and making it actionable and giving us lots of insight into it and I know you know it is such a emerging area and I do think women really need more support and more access when it comes to fertility and it comes to that support especially because we're in such a fight or flight syndrome and we're always in a stress kind of response so yeah thank you so much and if you could just share a little bit and I will link it into the show notes and pop you on my Instagram as well but if you can just share a little bit on how women can reach out to you for support for questions for testing for anything please yeah let us know yeah thanks Thank you so much, Herodin, for having me on. I've absolutely loved chatting to you today. Um, yeah, best way to reach out to me is either via my um, website, which is just www.jackielamplu.com, and that is spelled J-A-C-Q-U-I-L-A-M-P-L-U-G-H, um, and then by Instagram, which is just at Jackielamplu. Um, and you're more than welcome if you've got questions and um, just to connect with me, send me a DM. Um, I'm more than happy to help. Beautiful. Thank you so, so much. We really appreciate it. I'll link that all in the show notes and I'm sure some women will be reaching out for some support. Lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Empowered Hormone Podcast. If you know a female who needs some empowerment, please forward, repost, tag or share and let's get women talking.